as artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing. They're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is supported by Trustonomy, an original podcast from OneTrust. Every good relationship you have, personal or business, it involves trust. But we all know that trust doesn't just happen, right? We've all lost trust in a friend or a brand or a product. Trustonomy is a new podcast that looks at true stories from the past to understand how trust works and what makes it stronger and how to rebuild it when it's broken. Now, you know, I'm a sucker for a good podcast that weaves historical stories and relates it to what's happening today. So I thoroughly enjoyed this Trustonomy episode and recommend that you check that out as well. Search for Trustonomy in your podcast player. We'll also include a link in the show notes. Many thanks to the One Trust team for their support. And uh, if you want, you can even have that be in the pirate theme. <laughs> it like, starts to look like a scroll. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Joelle Steiniger. And I'm Matt Goldman. And we're having 20 minute talks with entrepreneurs teaching you how to launch your product into revenue. Check out our book at howtobuildarocketship.com to reserve your launch discount and to download a free chapter. Today we talked with Carolyn Koprash, the Chief Happiness Officer at Buffer. We learned all about how they've grown their support team out to nine people and the unconventional ways in which they've scaled their support. We also learned how they use Help Scout to process hundreds of job applications every single month. Enjoy. CodeShip makes continuous deployment simple and easy. Go to CodeShip.com slash RocketShip to get a free trial and 20% off three months. We'd also like to thank InVision App, 
Envision is by far the best prototyping and collaboration tool on the market. Go to Envision app forward slash rocket ship to get the starter plan free for 90 days. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. We're here with Carolyn Koprash, the Chief Happiness Officer at Buffer. Carolyn, welcome. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, absolutely. So are we. Um, so tell us what Chief Happiness Officer mean at Buffer. <laughs> sure. Um, so Buffer is a social media application um, for posting, scheduling posts to social media for businesses and individuals um, and tracking the analytics uh, of your posts so that you can kind of learn um, what what's doing well and, and what you can improve on and what type of information and content your audience enjoys. Um, and we have a web application and an iPhone application and an Android and, and for Mac and all these different uh, ways that you can use the product. So um, we have a, a support team here that answers all the questions and, and emails and tweets and that kind of thing that, that come in from people who are learning how to use the product. Um, so chief happiness officer just is, you know, it's kind of a silly way of saying that, um, I lead that team and we're a team of eight, um, plus me. So, um, those people, they're called happiness heroes. Um, if you've ever interacted with Buffer, hopefully you've spoken to a happiness hero. So um, you, you're the team behind the at Buffer Twitter account? Exactly. Nice. Yep. And hello at bufferapp.com email address. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so you guys also are the ones that take in... Um, the applications when you're hiring, right? Um, yes. So talk to us a little bit about what that process looked like on, on your end. Sure. Yeah. So um, so I take in all the applications for anyone on the happiness team. Um, we had originally tried to, to think about hiring someone for hiring, um, but it makes a lot more sense when you've done the job and you know what the team is like and, you know, the culture of the of the whole company and that sort of thing. So, um, so I take in all the applications for the happiness team, Sunil, our CTO takes in applications for the engineering team and that kind of thing. Um, and so on. And we use help scout as, uh, just kind of the tool for all things. Um, we use that for email already for our support email. So it was a natural extension to use that for our hiring as well. And so, um, any applications that come in there, we, we just respond right through help scout. And the way that Help Scout works is that you can set up a different email address and it gets put into its own mailbox. So you have a mailbox for every single job position. Exactly. And how many, on average, how many applications do you get for the positions now? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, well, right now they're down um, just because we've just made a couple hires. Um, and so when they're down, you know, people still still reach out to us and say, I think I'd like to talk to you. Um, what's an email address I can contact. And so we get, you know, a few dozen of those a month. Um, but when they're up, it, it goes more into the hundreds. Um, I think it's usually in like the 400 per month range. Wow. So what led you to, to help scout? What were you doing before that, before you found the, the way that you like? Um, well, <laughs> Before, poor Leo, our COO, was just kind of managing it from his own inbox. <laughs> when I applied, um, which was um, a few years ago now, I just um, I saw a tweet, and the tweet just said, email Leo. Um, so I did that, and obviously that didn't scale. <laughs> we got, um, you know, a, a hundred or so applications then, and even that was 
a lot for one person in one inbox. Um, so we, we quickly switched over to help scout, uh, cause we use that for support anyway and we love it. So, um, it, it keeps things really neat and you can see if somebody has emailed before, which is super useful. Um, so yeah, that was the natural extension after poor Leo's Gmail. <laughs> um, so I don't think it's any secret that culture is a huge thing with you guys. It's, it's kind of ingrained in who you are and, and why everyone loves buffer. Um, oh, thank but, you. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, something that you mentioned when we were talking before that I didn't know was how much emphasis you guys really put on hiring people that use the product, um, and have used it for a while. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that kind of fits into your process? Sure. Yeah. So that's kind of probably the, the best hiring hack we've learned is, um, that it makes a lot of sense to hire your customers, um, because then they can really relate to your customers. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, that's really simple, but it's kind of really all it comes down to. Um, so people will, you know, be able to say, oh, I actually experienced that question when I came on board. That's a great question. Or I totally understand what you're trying to do here. Here's how I approached it. Um, so that's really useful. Um, and it also, I mean, on a more sort of tactical level, it helps a lot with training. Um, because when somebody has used your product before, you're not really starting from the beginning with training. So people can ramp up a lot faster and, um, you know, we bring people on board and they start answering emails on their first day, which is really great. Um, yeah, so that's been uh, a really awesome uh, piece of it. And also kind of like you mentioned, uh, people who are users of Buffer often have some exposure to our culture and kind of who we are and what we believe and, and what our values are. And that's really the most important thing with hiring as well. So that kind of makes that a little bit that process of, of getting to know us a little bit simpler for, for the applicant. So what are some of the other signals that you guys look at uh, when, when looking to hire applicants? Oh, that's a good one. Um, well, there's a couple things that are sort of uh, just tactical again, like being a buffer user for a long time and um, being a Twitter user because that's the majority of, you know, the majority of our customers have a Twitter account. And so um, that's that's useful to be able to to speak to your knowledge there, um, not just on, you know, what an ad mention is and if how you buffer a retweet, but even strategy on Twitter. Um, so that's, that's kind of more from the, the checkbox side. Um, and then a, the, a little bit tougher to necessarily automatically know, <laughs> um, is the, the culture side. So, um, we have 10 values that we're pretty committed to and, and pretty vocal about, um, so, yeah, we definitely encourage people to go there and, you know, if you feel like you would be at home in a place that operates under complete transparency, um, which has a lot to do with your personal side too. You know, we, we wear a jawbone up and we share our steps and our sleep with each other. So, um, if that kind of thing freaks you out, then, then this wouldn't be the place for you. And, um, <laughs> you know, we talk about self-improvement constantly. And if you think that's kind of lame, then, um, then it wouldn't really be the place for you either. So um, that's kind of what we look for is people who feel really at home and really excited about those values and, um, you know, want to be in a place where the culture is sort of based on self-improvement and transparency. So then how do you, how do you see that in an applicant beyond them just saying that they, they would enjoy working at a company with those, those values? <laughs> yeah, that's a good start. Um, 
But uh, yeah, you, um, I guess you just have to, a lot of times you have to take people on their word for some of it. Um, you know, people who have a, a, a commitment to self-improvement often have examples of that. And that's really useful. Um, another really simple one is just how you talk to people on Twitter. Um, you know, people who are pretty positive and, and focusing on, on, the, on helping people learn and um, that kind of thing tend to fit in a lot better um, than somebody who maybe isn't quite as positive on Twitter. Um, so that's a really easy way, you know, not only how do you present yourself to me right now when you're in an application, but also how do you present yourself to the world and, and what are the choices that you make every day? Um, so that's, that's a pretty easy way to do it. Um, and obviously, a huge majority of, of the job is over email. So how they email us is pretty important. <laughs> key. So I think we were talking to the, you need a budget guys about hiring support people. Mm. And one of the ways that one of the parts of their application was to ask you, I think it was them was to ask you how you would respond to a customer, an angry customer. They had a sample email and asked you to draft a response. Sure. And originally they thought that the, the proper response was very obvious, um, but they see a lot of people answer it in either a rude way or just not the right way that they're looking for. Mm. Is there something like that where you, how else do you judge uh, the effectiveness of a new support person once you're beyond the culture fit? Yeah, definitely. We do that. Yes. We, uh, we ask people to, uh, to answer hypothetical customer emails. Exactly. As you said, you know, here's a couple tweets. How would you approach these? And here's, um, here's a couple emails and, uh, kind of like you said, there's, there's a lot of ways that you can do it that are really sort of what we expect. Um, and then there's ways to go above and beyond. And so we look for those. Um, and you know, some people, some people prefer to address really happy people in a different way than they approach really unhappy people. And, you know, do they make that decision based on something that you think we would do? And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like, would they fit in with, with what we're looking for here? Um, but yeah, writing, writing is such a huge part of it that, that we definitely have a test for that. So digging a little deeper into your actual support process, mm. um, how do you guys keep up with, you know, how do you scale up the, uh, service that you give as you grow and keep the quality up and what little like tricks or hacks have you figured out, um, to, focus on the most urgent things first? Oh, yeah, um, that's, that's a good one. So we have a couple different um, ways that we sort of approach our support. Um, I'll set, take a step back for a second and talk a little bit about sort of how we believe we should be meeting our customers. Um, and so we try to have sort of a, a consistent tone across the board um, and we actually have a tone guide. Um, I don't know if it's, if it's interesting at all, it's at bufferapp.com slash tone dash guide. Um, and what that is just, you know, sort of talking about is, is how we like to approach the way we, uh, you know, the whole world. Um, so that includes our customers that we're talking to one-to-one. It, it includes our customers when we're talking in a mass email, it, it includes, um, you know, how we write error messages in our application. And so that kind of thing is all, um, you know, it's all based on how to win friends and influence people, which is kind of the, the book that our entire culture is based on. 
Um, so that's kind of from, from a big perspective, how we attempt to do this. Um, of course we fail all the time and, um, <laughs> nothing wrong and, with that. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, kind of the part B of that is just that we talk about it constantly. Um, we have, you know, emails constantly going around about, uh, you know, I had this situation. How could I have approached it better? This was the email. I missed this point. I did this wrong. Um, and also, Hey, this customer was really unhappy and she left really happy. And she, you know, told me that, um, you know, she was going to name her first child after me, which of course has never actually happened, but you know, so here, here's how that conversation went and what can we learn from this? And what was the right point that we said, let's get off this email and just get on a call. And so basically we just talk about it constantly, um, which is kind of how we've kept up, uh, the, the learning amongst the whole team. Um, so I think that was part one of your conversation of your question. Um, part two was how we sort of addressed urgency. Is that right? Cool. Um, well, I find that people often are the, are, will often send off a tweet when they're super anxious about an answer. Um, so we have really, really ambitious goals for Twitter. Um, and we try to, uh, try to get on those as fast as possible. And the program that we use for monitoring Twitter, which is spark central, um, which we think they're great. Um, you can sort it by newest or oldest. So in an ideal situation, somebody has it sorted by newest. And so you see a, a frantic tweet the very moment it comes in, which is, um, kind of the, the first way to approach urgency is, um, you know, if somebody is just absolutely crazed. They might send, send a tweet to say, I sent you an email and, or I have this question and, or call me. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's the first step. Um, and we had found that it was a lot trickier with email. Um, you know, people will write urgent or they'll, they'll write in all caps or something, but sometimes that gets lost in the pile. Um, so what we just recently did, we have a, a support engineer, um, the senior, senior developer Colin on our team spends about half his time working on tools for our team. So ways that the we can make the customer happier or get back to them faster or get to know them better. Um, so what he did, um, he's, he's brilliant. Um, we added a, a, a piece on the contact form that says like, what's your level of urgency right now? So people can say like, Oh, this is just an FYI. Like you don't even have to respond. Like just thought you would know that there's like a typo right here or something. Um, up to, yeah, I'm just trying to get an answer as fast as possible up to this is an emergency. Um, so, and we found, um, I mean, it was an experiment. We thought that there was a chance that everyone would choose emergency, but in general, people are totally rational and they, they know not to say that when they don't mean it. Um, and we really haven't seen any abuse of that. Uh, emergencies tend to be emergencies. So, uh, we get notified whenever somebody sends in a, a question that's an emergency and it comes up in our hip chat room and, um, that's been super useful. And we have noticed that we are able to resolve those a little bit faster than the average to get. So, um, that's been a, a, a good help. Um, I'd love to get to the point where they don't have to do that in order to rise to the top. I mean, in an ideal situation, they just get an answer right back no matter what. But, um, in the meantime, <laughs> from that dream world to, uh, kind of what we're always at trying to get there. Um, that's been a cool hack that we've tried in the meantime. Well, I think that's cool too, because a lot of times people don't mind waiting to hear back 
but what they don't like is not knowing when they'll hear back. Mm-hmm. So if they know they've put in this is not urgent, then they're not going to be sitting there clicking refresh or something like that. Definitely. Yeah. It's more yeah. about just knowing that they'll get back to you. Definitely. Yeah, it's such an interesting observation of the tone that people use when they write in to email versus like live chat, for example. Um, like when people write into live chat, even though, even if it's an emergency, people are so much calmer because they know that you're there. You, they know that they, that you're their person and you're going to work through it and they don't have to be crazed. Um, whereas with email, it's a little bit of this, like I'm sending this off into the ether. I don't really know if it's going to be, you know, if you've never interacted with a brand before and it doesn't specifically tell you it, you don't know, is it going to be 20 minutes or 20 hours or 20 days? Um, so yeah, that's been, um, I think the next step for us is hopefully trying to figure out how to say, you know, this is when we'll get back to you, or this is when we think we can get back to you. Um, the reason that's tough right now is because the times change so much depending on which time zone and how many heroes are online and that kind of thing. Um, so we haven't figured that out quite yet, but, um, if you want to really drool at a support forum, go look at 37 signals, um, excuse me, base camp, um, who they there there's always says like we'll get back to you in about one minute <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> if you want to have like support drool seriously that's the place to look um so we're not at that point or anywhere near but um yeah little changes like that can hopefully alleviate some of that anxiety and make it more of a conversation and less of a i'm sending off this request and then you know i'm going to get a con- confirmation in two days that you know my you know thank you customer number 624 so you guys are kind of the the liaisons between the development team and your customers. How, can you speak a little bit about the process you guys take when you guys are getting the same um, kind of, I guess, complaints or suggestions over and over again? What does that look like inside Buffer? Definitely. Yeah, so we are the liaisons. Um, our developers often get in touch with customers also, um, you know, especially the mobile developers both have a Facebook group for the beta. So our, our developers are generally in, in contact anyway. Um, and usually after they do a development or if we do a big launch, everybody will be in Twitter and they'll just be making sure that people understand and are happy. And um, so there's that. Uh, but, you know, the other 97% of the time um, or maybe higher, um, obviously we just get the, the majority of, of the conversations and the touch points. Um, so, um, yeah, that was probably the most interesting thing that we that we had to change when we grew from a team of about a year ago. We were a team of two um, and now we're a team of eight. So, yeah, it's when it's not all one person, you can't just do it based on what's in your brain and what, you know, you've answered a lot. Right. Um, <laughs> so we we use Trello, um, which has been uh, super, super useful for us in, in this way. Um, so we use Trello for bugs. Um, and we have a slightly different system for signals, but, uh, so for bugs, every single bug that we get a report of gets reported, um, which is, is really an an essential piece of it is that you can't only do it when it starts to bubble to the top because with eight people, everybody could have heard it twice, Mm. but that doesn't bubble up to the top yet. But if it's, you know, 16 times, then it actually does. So, um, so everybody reports every bug that we've heard. And, um, if it's already been reported, then it's just a comment on that card. Um, and Trello does this really cool thing of, of sort of aging cards. So if a card is getting a lot of attention and a lot of activity, then it will be in bright color. Whereas the ones that aren't as, as big and aren't, aren't really getting commented on, they sort of fade a little bit. 
And uh, if you want, you can even have that be in the pirate theme. <laughs> it like, starts to look like a scroll. Um, so we use that a lot. Um, and our, we have sort of, everybody does it, but one person in particular, Adam, sort of owns that so that if somebody says, you know, share box not working and somebody says box to post not working, then, um, you know, he know, recognizes that those are the same thing and, and combines them. Um, and so he sort of determines every week what are the top priorities are for bugs. So, you know, this one got reported 24 times, but it's not as essential because it's just an FYI where like it's annoying people, but they can still get around it. Whereas this bug was reported six times, but it's a complete blocker and nobody can work when they see it. So he sort of makes that call. Um, and obviously with the input of the whole team, um, and then we just report that to the product team every week. And I'm super lucky that Brian, um, our product manager, um, really craves that information and, and seeks that out and often will make product decisions based on the feedback. Um, so, so that's bugs. Um, and signals is a little bit slippier, slip, slipperier um, <laughs> because uh, it's just not as cut and dry necessarily. You know, somebody could know that, that, that scheduling is confusing, but they don't exactly know why. Sure. Um, so we mostly do that through Help Scout um, because that's the, we get um, about, we send about twice as many emails as we do tweets. So that's still our primary tool. Um, so we just tag everything. Um, if you look in our Help Scout room, it's like a big, colorful blob of tags <laughs> because we'll say this is on Android and it's about posting and you know it's it's this or that and so um we have another person Orsa who sort of manages that and she says every week to Brian this is you know the thing that's coming up for whatever reason it just seems to be that you know the fact that feeds doesn't confirm when you've added it it just puts it at the bottom of the list that people are adding it twice and, you know, just like little things like that. Um, anything that's causing our customers to get confused or frustrated or feel like they're wasting their time or spinning their wheels. That's the kind of thing that she looks at. Um, and you know, we love, we love, love, love serving our customers, but at the end of the day, it's better for them if they don't have to reach out to us at all and they just get, can go on with their day because it worked. So we try and solve those little things as fast as possible. Obviously, um, you know, depends on priorities, but, um, we try very hard not to necessarily say like, Oh, well, let me put this in an FAQ or, into a large support forum so that you can find the answer yourself. Like it's better if we just fix it. <laughs> Which no one ever really searches through. <laughs> right. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of what we decided is like, I don't know that I've ever seen that done really super well. No. Um, so I know that there's a lot of companies that, that try and that, that just don't have the resources to just continue scaling and growing the team as opposed to um, you know, putting answers up on FAQ and things like that. But mm we just couldn't get excited about customers having to like search and click around and read five things before they determine whether or not their problem has been solved. So, um, yeah, we try and, uh, we try and hear those and fix them as much as possible. Something that we've done with our product, I've always hated FAQs too. Um, but we used, to Help Scout, <laughs> we used Help Scout docs to set up a page and the only, the only, FAQ articles or whatever you would call them that we put in are um, explanations of things in the interface. So mm. let, let's say we show a certain metric, we'll underline the metric name mm. and have it link out to this page that explains how it's calculated or what's factored in, what's not. Um, That's cool. 
So, so far that's cut back our support load a ton. And when people do ask the question, we can say that we wrote up this explanation of how monthly recurring revenue is calculated and direct them to it because we were writing that up every single time, probably at least a handful of times every week. And it would take a good, you know, 20, 30 minutes to write it out. Sure. Um, So that's worked well for us, but we don't do anything else in terms of FAQs. That's a great point. Yeah, we have some tool tips in the app. So um, Brian's really good at at, um, at determining like when people aren't sure, they often will just hover over the button. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so sometimes it'll pop up and say like, here's what you're about to do and this is what this means. Um, and that's been, that's been helpful. Um, and one other thing that he sort of envisioned, which has been super successful is uh, sometimes when it's, it's a lack of something. So it's not that they're saying, what does this bug do? But they're saying, do you support Google Plus profiles? Um, that's kind of hard. Like, where do you put that in the application, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's an FAQ type thing. Um, so what he did was he has it on the page where you would look to do that. So like, if your question is, hmm, I think I want to add my Google Plus profile, then you would go to the page where you add profiles and Google Plus pay- profile is there it's grayed out and if you click it it says like i'm sorry we don't have access to the api but like we love to let you know if someday we do and so that really helped i mean we were getting that question multiple times a day and um allowing people to kind of say oh okay you know i don't have to write in about that because it's not just completely missing it's it's there it just explains that it's not actually there um that's been great and also the the added bonus of that is that people then put their email address to get notified which simplifies it a lot when we do have it and it also helps us prioritize because if there's two different things you know linkedin company pages and google plus company pages like which one do people ask for more um mm-hmm. so that was that was a great learning for us as well um so yeah there's definitely ways i mean yeah ideally if the customer never has that's, that's better um so yeah, for those types of things in the app, I think that's that's really clever if you can figure out ways to do that. Very cool. So Carolyn, tell us where we can keep up with you and Buffer online. Uh, sure. Um, so Buffer is um, just at Buffer on Twitter, and uh, we have a very lively blog. Um, we have two blogs. So one social media blog, which is kind of all about everything we've learned from um, research and things that our customers have uncovered, um, and data. And so that's just blog.buffrap.com. Um, and then we also have an open blog, which is, uh, more about kind of, uh, it's just living the value of transparency, which is, you know, every, every number that we have, we all share. (laughs) Um, so it's our revenue and how we're doing in support and what our engineering team is, is, is dealing with. And, um, you know, we actually published our revenue and our salaries and all those things. So, um, everything about the company, if you're interested in kind of learning what we've learned through the years, um, what we've sometimes not always gotten right and then learned from, um, we try and share that as much as possible. So um, that's on the open blog for Buffer. Um, and I am Carol Kopp on Twitter. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much. You asked some really good questions. You kind of got my wheels turning a little bit about some of these topics. <laughs> I think <laughs> <Good. they're laughs> <great to> <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you haven't yet, pop open iTunes and subscribe to be notified of future episodes. We have some really great ones lined up. And while you're there, leave us a review. We really appreciate each and every one of them. Stop that. Stop that. Stop that.
Like that's what you want to do. Love alone, if you feel like a room without a room. 